Lord Jesus, as we continue in this service, no matter how we came in today, no matter the distractions, may what we do from this point forward be a reminder to us that we were made for you and only you. May your love compel us to that end, we pray in your name. Amen. I appreciate on a weekly basis uh, Mark's stories for us. I feel like he sets it up well and I could sit down and you may have some point, some idea of what the message is even without me saying anything. So I'm grateful to that and I want to let you know as well that that Mark will be making his preaching debut the last week of July. Um, so he said it's maybe when the least amount of people will be here. So he's a, so uh, we, will, we will look forward to that. Um, now I probably shouldn't tell you this because if he really bombs, I want you to be able to blame him. But he told me he's going to run his sermon by me beforehand. So, uh, so uh, I'll, I'll take a little heat off you, Mark, just in case uh, there in that case. But we're, we're, we're looking forward to that. Today I want to talk about uh, the openness of, of communion. Not everything is open uh, to me that is open to you, and not everything that is open to me is open to you. We all have things that are, that are more open. There are opportunities that are open to you based on your skills, based on your education, based on your experience, based on the network of people you know. There are opportunities that you have open to you that I will probably never have open to me. In like manner, there's opportunities in my life based on my skills or based on my education or based on the people that I know and the experiences I have that are open to me that will likely never be open to you. There are things that are open to us based upon our beliefs and there's things that are closed to us based upon our beliefs. In this world in which we talk about, about being open and, and free, the truth is, is there is nothing almost that I can think of that is truly, completely open to every single person. Even those stores that, that say we have an open door policy, we have an open service policy, and there's signs out front that say open, come in, and there's a sign in the corner that says except for you with no shoes and no shirts, you stay outside. In fact, one of my favorite places, Jimmy John says, if you are naked, we will not serve you. Uh, the store is not open to them, and I'm actually quite grateful for that, uh, for the naked people wandering around. There's only one place I can truly think of that is completely open. True openness is offered to every single person. And that is at the communion table. That is on communion Sabbath. Not because I say so or because our church teaches this, which we do, but because we see it demonstrated through the life of Jesus. We see it demonstrated through the actions of Jesus on, this very, on the very first communion day. Open your Bibles with me to the book of John chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. John chapter 13, beginning... In verse 1, we were there last week. There's Bibles in the pew rack in front of you if you, if you need those. Also, if you uh, have a tablet or a smartphone, you're welcome to use that as well. We have Wi-Fi, and you can 
uh, sign in there. The password for the Wi-Fi is in the bulletin. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. And I'm reading from the New King James. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Last week we discussed the foot washing service and I, and I hope this week you prayerfully uh, uh, prepared your hearts uh, uh, for that service. To serve in humble obedience one another and to serve God uh, through that, that service. We're not going to discuss that further today but what I want you to notice today about this moment. About this moment in which Jesus there began to wash the disciples' feet. About, about this service in which people came together and ate this meal together, I want you to notice, and I want you to have an understanding about who was sitting around this table, who was sitting there. First, there was Peter. As I said last week, we give Peter sometimes a, a, a hard time thinking we would possibly do better in similar situations which I find that at least in myself, I probably would not do much better than Peter. But we do have knowledge of what Peter has done, and so we, we acknowledge the, 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 the truth that is in the Bible, the information that is in the Bible. And Jesus had knowledge as well, not only of what Peter had done, but of what Peter was going to do. John chapter 13, verses 36 through 38. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? This was after the foot washing and after they've, they've eaten together. Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Jesus knew that Peter would betray him. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him, not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus knew that Peter would stab him in the back, not once, not twice, but three times. Peter, uh, Jesus knew that Peter would, 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 would curse to prove his loyalty to the world over his loyalty to Jesus Christ. Jesus knew this about Peter. And what did Jesus do? He got down on his knees and he began to wash the feet of Peter. He knew all this and he washed his feet. And then he ate a meal with him. There's some of us that won't eat meals with people. And we haven't eaten a meal with people for many years because they said something about us long ago. And yet here is supposed to be one of Jesus' best friends, and, and, he's no, and Jesus knows he's going to betray him, deny him, and yet there's Jesus washing his feet and having a meal with him. Also at the table was Judas Iscariot. Who is Judas Iscariot? 
Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through 16, give us a, a, a good picture of who Judas was. Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through 16. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? Interesting note there, something I had not maybe paid attention to in my reading for some reason, but it catches my eye that, that Judas actually approached the priest. The priest didn't come to him. He's the one that went to them and said, hey, if I turn Jesus over to you, what are you going to give me? They counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time on, he sought opportunity to betray him. Now we all have sins that are sins of negligence, sins that we, we stumble into, moments of, of rash behavior because our hearts are, are, are in a bad spot in the moment. There's no excuse for those sins and we need forgiveness for those sins just as much as the others. But I don't know about you, but the sins that really drive me crazy are the ones that I can see myself walking into and I still walk into them. Anyone else have that frustrating moments? No one in here at all. God bless you all. Then I'll just talk to myself for a minute. Chad, those, those are the sins that really bother me. Those are the sins that really struggle, that I struggle with. And here, because and we know there's something even deeper about that type of sin. Not just a sin of, of negligence, but a sin where we, we've thought it through and we're still moving in that direction towards that sin. And here we see that, that Judas has approached Jesus' enemies to seek how he might betray his master. And then he looks for an opportunity in which to fulfill this betrayal. And Jesus knew this about Judas. John chapter 13, verse 21. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples wondered whom Jesus was speaking of. And Jesus knew, verse 26. Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. Jesus knew that Judas was looking for an opportunity to, to, to bring him down. And what did Jesus do? He got down on his knees and he began to wash the feet of Judas. What did Jesus do? He shared a meal with Judas. There were more people around that table. We could probably, if we knew the history of every one of them, we could say, well, that one wasn't so hot and that one wasn't so hot. We know about the, the sons of thunder, James and John, and we know that, that, that they, just prior to this, had been seeking who might be the greatest in the kingdom of God. They'd been, they'd been maneuvering and trying to manipulate the situation in order to, to say, we will sit at the right and left hand of Jesus. They had sent their mom. You know the Bible is true when that story's in the Bible right there. Because no man would admit to sending his mommy in to do his battle for him, right? So you know the Bible's true right there. They sent in their mom. They sent in their mom to try to manipulate Jesus so that they could have the power, their pride. We could talk about them. We could talk about Thomas, who we know is referred to as Doubting Thomas, although I'd encourage you at some point to read all the testimonies of Thomas in the Bible, and you'll see that there's a number of wonderful things about Thomas in the scriptures as well. 
But each one of these people around the table were sinners just like us. Maybe in some ways we look at them and say even greater sinners than some of us by what we would constitute as the level of sins. And yet, there is Jesus going past each one of the twelve, washing their feet, and then sharing a meal with them. Openness is limited everywhere. There's a limit to the openness of society everywhere. But here at the table, here at this table, there is no limit. If you want to partake, no matter who you are, you're welcome to participate. No matter what you've done, you're welcome to participate. No matter what your belief system is, what, 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 where you're at on the, the paradigms of beliefs, you're welcome to participate. No matter what your race, no matter what your age, no matter what your thoughts, you are welcome. If you want to receive the foot washing, the, a symbol of Jesus' humble obedience to the Father, a, a symbol of his service to humanity, an opportunity for us to, to likewise humble ourselves as Jesus did, you are welcome to do so. That is what the communion is about, an openness, an openness to the arms of God. You know, I read a great statement in the writings of Ellen White this week, and I'm going to smash it because I don't have it in my notes and I wasn't thinking about it. But she makes an amazing statement. She said, even the lack of repentance should not keep us from coming to Jesus because it is in coming to Jesus and as we remember and see what he has done for us that our hearts will be softened and we will come to know and understand and love him. That's what the communion table is. You may have sin in your life, you may not even be repentant about it, but if there's something in you that wants to come to the communion table, that is the openness of this table. The sad thing, though, there have been in history those who, even within our own denomination, those who have tried to limit who can come and who can participate in the communion service. But the words of Jesus convict me, and I hope they convict you also, that indeed, as Christ's representatives, we are also to be just as open in this service as Jesus was to those disciples. Just as Jesus was open to Judas Iscariot who would betray him, just as Jesus was open to the, to the sons of thunder who, who cared more about their power than the power of Jesus, just as Jesus was open to Peter who would deny him three times, I would pray that on this day each one of us would be just as open to people as Jesus was. You know, in John chapter 13, Jesus shares with us what is called a new command, though really it is a command from the Old Testament as well. He says, a new commandment that I give you, John chapter 13 and verse 34. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I find this, the placement of this new command so interesting in the book of John. I find it very interesting in the book of John. If you have a Bible with you, you'll notice where John places this new commandment. It comes right after the story 
of Jesus predicting and declaring who will betray him unto death. The story of Judas Iscariot. Jesus tells the disciples, there's one who will betray me and the one who I dip this bread and give it to, he is the one who will betray me. And then Jesus shows us that it is Judas Iscariot. And right after that story, Jesus says, I give you a new command that you ought to love one another. Comes right after this story of great betrayal. It comes right before. It comes right before the story of Jesus telling Peter that he will deny him three times before the night was over. Sandwiched between these two stories of ultimate betrayal, two of the most infamous stories in the Bible. I mean, even your casual Christian, if, if you were to think of two of the worst stories in, in the history of mankind, people would say, well, the story of Judas betraying Jesus. And, and, and if we were to think about, about one of the greatest uh, deceptions and acts in history, we'd think about Peter uh, denying Jesus three times. In the midst of these two infamous stories of betrayal and deceit and rejection, right in the midst of those two stories, Sandwiched between those two, Jesus says, and I want to tell you something, love one another. Love one another. I pray that Jesus' appeal to us, sandwiched between hurt and betrayal, will open our hearts to be as open as Jesus is on this day of communion. I pray that it will open our hearts to be as open as Jesus is on this day to welcome all to the communion table, to welcome all to the foot washing service. Those we love, to welcome them with open arms. Those we love but we struggle to love, we all have a few of those people, we welcome them with open arms. Those we try to love and we just can't seem to get there right now, I pray that we'll remember Jesus' new command and open, welcome them with open arms. Those who have betrayed our love, those who have rejected our love, those who have hurt us rather than loving us the way that they should, I pray that we will welcome them too with open arms. The communion table is open, as is the love of Jesus. And may we be as open to love others today as Jesus is to loving us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the example of that meal that you shared with the disciples. You weren't excusing their sin. You weren't brushing it aside. But you were showing us that in spite of it, you still are a God of love. Lord, may we be a people that will represent you rightly and be a people of love. As we move into this foot washing time and then as we partake of the emblems, Lord, I pray that, that our hearts will be as open as your heart is today, Lord. And that we will have love one to another no matter the things that have gone on between us. In your name we pray. Amen.